0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and this podcast is my chance to learn and share the habits and strategies of the happiest people in the world. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast, check out my second podcast, Bits of Happiness, for bite-sized audio on what you can do to adopt the mindsets of high-performing individuals. It's great to welcome back another old friend to the podcast this week. I love talking with Jason because of how he's helping change workplaces from the inside out. He's helping to create success as an entrepreneur himself, giving employees and leaders the tools they need for success. What I love about Jason and what really interested me about his story the first time we connected was his unapologetic lifelong journey towards self-improvement and self-mastery. You'll gather from the title of this episode that even in his 40s, Jason is looking at the rest of his life and planning ways in which he can make it as amazing as possible. He'll never give up pursuing living the life he's always wanted to live. And in my mind, there's no nobler cause in life. Despite having a bachelor's degree in marine biology, working in tech support and government contracting roles, and not getting his first official sales job until age 27, Jason Cutter founded the Cutter Consulting Group, with a focus on coaching and training individuals, and being hired by companies around the world who want to dramatically improve their selling effectiveness. He is the author of Selling with Authentic Persuasion, Transform from Order Taker to Quota Breaker, and host of The Authentic Persuasion Show, the scalable call center sales podcast, and call center confidence with Cutter and Kat. Please welcome back to the podcast, one of my favorite dudes, Jason Cutter. Jason, my friend, how are you? I am awesome.
1: I am even more uh, excited to be back uh, chatting with you again
0: yeah it's been um it's been a cool opportunity i um I, it's been no secret and i i've i've mentioned this previously i reached back out to the the guests that i've had on former, uh, formerly and it's just it's been great to catch up with some folks who were interested in coming back on seeing how life has shifted and changed in a uh, one to two year period <laughs> in what seems to be an accelerated one or two year period given the state <laughs> yeah. of the world. And yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to catching up with you, talking about all that you've got going on and just uh, see how everything's going in your world.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Should be cool. fun.
0: So how, uh, I mean, how, how how has the start of uh, 2022 been for you? We're almost a quarter in and uh, just it's I, here i don't remember where are, where where are you located
1: well last time we talked i was living in northern california north of san francisco in the napa nice. sonoma area uh and now i live in southwest florida so oh, wow so one quite, from one quite, gorgeous quite a transition <laughs> about uh 10 and a half months ago
0: that's awesome how have you liked the like the change I, I love it. I I got to a
1: point in my life uh, a couple years ago where, you know, I'd only lived on the West coast, Washington state or California, grew up in California. And uh, I just felt like there was a ton more out there in the world to experience and see. Um, even before the pandemic, the pandemic made it where it was like most everything was virtual. So it really didn't matter where you lived. Uh, Um, but even before that, I just felt this itch. I literally got to I mean, I'll just say it. I got to 45 years old. And when I was reflecting on my birthday, I was like, I feel like I'm at halftime. I feel like literally I'm at halftime in my life. Look yeah. at the scoreboard. Many stats I am not winning in life and I haven't done well, but I've learned a lot. Uh, you know, get a good pep top uh, pep talk at halftime, uh, get fired up, uh, learn some lessons, go out there and, and play a better second half for myself, right. In my own game. And yes. I was like, Let's go! Like <laughs> literally, let's go for the next forty five years. Um, I love it. And so, uh, took a friend up on an opportunity. He's, he had a house here. He's like, if you want to check it out for a few months, check it out. And I loved it. I decided to stay.
0: That's amazing. I love that analogy. Um, it falls right in line with March Madness, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I like what you said about you took a look at the stats in your life and you realized that they weren't. I guess where where you wanted to be with those, and so if if you don't mind me picking the picking on those a little bit, what were some of those stats where you realized, hey, I'm not I'm not doing all I can in this area of my life. There needs to be some significant change and improvement here.
1: Yeah, and it's I, I would say some of it is that, some of it is letting go of beating myself up for where I'm not at in life. Yeah, right. And and yeah. I did that years ago, where I got to the point where it's like, wait a second, my windy path um, is a valuable asset because yes. I've learned a lot and I've gone through a lot and I can provide value to a lot of different people in situations because I've been through a lot. Um, you know, as a reminder, I mean, my bachelor's degree is in marine biology yeah. and now I focus on sales teams and consulting and training and coaching and helping people succeed in the world of sales, which is historically gross and dirty that people don't <sighs> want to do. Um, And literally the punchline I use in the speaking I do now is that at one point I was 19 years old on a 21-foot boat. We were surrounded by three 18-foot great white sharks, and I still felt that was a safer and smarter choice than any job dealing with humans because I did not like people, Um, especially – any kind of customer facing job, definitely not. Um, And so life took me up and down and many downs. And so it's not so much like where, where do I need to do things different? I feel like I'm doing well. It's more of like, that's okay. The first half it's over. Don't worry about it. Put it out of your mind. You learned a lot, right? some mm-hmm. you know uh been married twice uh many jobs different things ran away from sales businesses that didn't work jobs that didn't work out um and it's like okay let's let's go we learned a lot we're still here that's it
0: yeah you make a great point that we we touched on last time your, your winding road through life um you you're a little bit older than I am. I'm 36 will be 37 this year. And we may have had similar experiences growing up. I, you know uh, my dad uh, he's worked in corporate America for all of his life. He's probably had a handful of different career changes uh, you know, upward trajectory career changes, but it's always been, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And this is how I'm going to do it. Um, and of course his father was uh in, in World War II veteran, um, and you know you're gonna you're gonna put your nose down, you're gonna get the job done, and you're gonna like it. Um, but I think you know, as I in particular grew up and I started trying different things, realizing that I hated different things, and trying new things, and seeing what I liked here and what I what I didn't like there. I don't know. I just felt like I was on the cusp of a generation that had so many possibilities. And I'm I'm taking advantage now, thankfully, of the possibilities that are being offered to me and younger generations, especially those in Gen Z. And it feels really good to be able to do that. But it also took overcoming some stigma that I think I had developed in my life growing up. In um, a very supportive family, I will say that. But growing up in a family where the kind of expectation was you're going to go to college, you're going to get a career, you know, mm-hmm. get married, have kids, and retire one day, and that's not at all the life path I'm on. I'm on a, what I feel is a <laughs> successful life life path, but it's definitely different from what I grew up understanding. How much stigma have you? had to face or deal with, maybe not necessarily from outside sources, but perhaps internal ones to really, you know, find those twists and turns and find the right direction that you wanted to be in.
1: Yeah, that was the biggest thing. And and it's interesting because I've even to this day, even recently, just still diving into what makes me tick and what goes on in my head and, and uncovering that and kind of, you know, what, what we all battle individually, like, you know, what it is that we think and, and feel about ourselves versus the world. Um, and yeah, one of the biggest things for me is that comparison, yeah. uh, and, and to others. And even as I dive into personality, if anyone's familiar with the Enneagram, um, I, I feel like I'm an Enneagram four, which the deadly sin of the Enneagram four number is, uh, envy and comparison, right? Everyone kind of, everyone has one of the nine. Um, but it's that. It's like comparing. and It's like why well, I'm not on that path. I, I didn't get married and buy a house and have the kids and do this and do that and go to college and use that degree. Um, not pressure from anyone else. My family's very supportive. They right. want me to do what makes me happy. Um, but it's more the internal battle. And it's not even any other pressure from outside. It's me playing that game out in my head that again, doesn't do any good. And then I realized, wait, no one else cares. Right. And there is no right way. And you're right. Like our generation is different than the previous one, which was very linear American dream mode of what you do. And then you retire and then you have retirement. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just dealing with that in my head, even, even now.
0: Yeah. You, you, you bring up a magic word for me and I, I give you full credit not just today, but a year ago, because in your book, you turned me on to a quote that I had either not heard of before, I guess I didn't internalize, but a quote by Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. And I literally have that sticky on my monitor. I've had it there ever since the last time we spoke. And (laughs) that is, it is the most important reminder for myself every time I try something new, that I cannot compare myself to somebody who's been doing it for 15 or 20 years or even a year or two, because I'm just not in a place that they are now. I am perhaps in a place where they were a couple years ago. And I just need to see my own path and see if this is right for me, but not by not comparing, comparing myself to somebody else who's better at it. That gives me a much better chance at feeling joy from it and also a ch- better chance of success. And that, it, I don't know, that's just stuck with me.
1: Yeah. And I think with that mode, right, if we're on uh, talking about that, there's like three things that pop in my head. One is uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. Like if you want to master something, it's going to take you a a concentrated 10,000 hours. The second thing is every master was once a disaster. And I can't I don't know the quote. I don't know where that comes from, but that one's huge, too. So if you see someone good at it, it's like this is what I do when I get into comparison mode about a podcast or a YouTube story. Like person who i want to have a channel like or i want to like i'm like oh my god they're getting you know 10 million views in the first nine seconds of their video like that's amazing uh, yeah. when in doubt go back and look at their first one it right. is a hot mess they suck yeah. and that's okay because you have to start somewhere um and then the other thing is is you just never know what else is going on in somebody's life right not to right. say oh they're good here but i'm sure like their family life sucks or this sucks no it's not even that it's just you just don't know. You don't know what it's taken, especially when you look at somebody and you're like, "Wow, they seem to have it all," but you don't know how they got there and how much they might have paid to get there, right? And right. and what the cost was.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very very good point. And from a podcasting standpoint, it can. I don't know. I've I've started to have my own reservations uh, with podcasting recently, but when it comes to seeing others in the amount of success they have compared to for myself, you know, the, the relatively modest success, it can be disheartening and frustrating. Mm -hmm. And then it, it can be so easy to say, well, you know, they've got a pre they're predisposed to an audience because they're a celebrity or they've got a better story than me. And that makes me just Mm -hmm. feel bad innately. And that's, I don't know. That's not a headspace I want to be in. There's a reason why I produce and host this podcast is to spread positive messages about how people have overcome issues in their own lives to find the success and happiness that they have. And so when I'm able to remind myself why I have these conversations, it just it uh, helps realign, I guess, my values and my motivation for, for why I'm doing it.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things, and I, I can't remember if we talked about it last time, but our mind plays tricks on us and say, don't try things. Somebody else is doing it better. Don't do it yourself and try. Like You're not going to be good at it uh, and you're going to fail. And so one of the biggest things I've come to use, and I feel like I probably said it because I love talking about it, is not just a vision board, but a progress board where I have clippings. It's Think of that scrapbook your parents used to keep of you in high school or in sports where it's like, "Here's here's my progress in life and in this business or in a podcast and be like, I remember, like for me, I remember the first day I launched my podcast and I had four downloads and probably two of them were family members and I was super excited. (laughs) And now I look back and I'm like, man, I'm not as good as so-and-so. And And I look back and go, yeah, but I've come really far, right? Like no matter what, I'm still come really far for me.
0: Absolutely. And for you personally, I, well, let me say let me say for me personally and see if you relate, I've become a much better conversationalist. I'm able to clarify my thoughts better. I'm able to sp- speak more succinctly and I'm just Better, I guess, most importantly, I'm so much better at listening now and re- and responding to what somebody says instead of trying to react and get my own thoughts out in front so I can be the one that is the hero of the conversation, which is that just not, does not make for a good conversation or let alone podcast episode.
1: Now, if you want to be the hero of the conversation on a podcast, be a guest on yes. other people's shows,
0: <laughs> but yes. not a host <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, going back to essentially how you and I are operating in the professional space, I know we both work for ourselves, but when, you know, you, we had, there was that mentality that you, you work for 40 years, then you retire, then you go off and, and die. I mean, it's, it's grim, but I mean, that's what it was. I have taken it upon myself to strive, um, over the last year to, find a balance between working and living. I, I say this facetiously, but I, I mean it to a certain extent, living a semi-retired life. Like my my joy in life is being able to do what I want when I want while still getting the work that I need to get done done. Um, how has it been difficult for you to strike a balance? And I'm just curious over the last, however many years of the pandemic, things have shifted for you, not necessarily in how you work, but how much or when or where you work?
1: Yeah. So I think it's a big thing. In the beginning of my business, I was definitely in survival scramble mode, uh, getting clients, figuring out what I want to do, what was my value, right? Like, um, you know, I kind of dove into the consulting world and business that I have without like a pipeline, without clients, uh, just kind of thrust into it, uh, which is not advised by the way, if anyone's curious, uh, follow the advice. They say, make sure you have lots of money in the bank and a whole list, or if you're old like me, a whole Rolodex of people who are ready to hand you cash, uh, yeah. on the spot for uh, business. So that's the better way to go. Uh, it's not, I don't always go the easier way in life, uh, but that's all right. I'm still here. Um, but what I, obviously in the beginning it was hustle mode, right? It's nonstop sitting on the couch in the evening, could be nine o'clock at night, feel guilty, feel like I should be doing more because there's always more. Then I realized, like as the business matured a little bit, realizing there's never going to be enough hours in the day. There's never going to be enough time. And literally driving myself crazy is not going to help. Um, And so that's been huge, which is understanding that and giving myself some grace to not feel guilty for not working all the time as I'm it's the weekend, or it's an evening, or it's a vacation, or something like that, right? Um, and then balancing it within, making sure that I'm always doing what I need to be doing when I should be working, um, so that I I can be effective and and balancing it right. It's 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 the tough balance with life is short, right? As my mom yeah. would say, life life is short. Eat dessert first, versus <laughs> life is long. And this is what I tell people, like health-related business, finance, relationships, doesn't matter. Like life is short, but life is also really long and yeah. can feel even worse in a long way um, if you're not happy. And if you're doing things you don't like, you're doing the wrong things, or you don't have enough money, or you're scared and in survival mode all the time. Yes. So it's a, it's a balance. It's a balance with how much do I work? And And honestly, this is what I look at for myself. I'm working a lot. Am I working smart? And yeah. if I work smarter, I could work less or not have the pressure on myself. So how do I get better at it? Um, and And that's been a big shift over the last, I'd say about last year, year and a half.
0: Yeah. Man, you make such a, a great point. I mean, it, it feels feels like a, a revelation to me in essence that I, I, I think I would rather live a life that feels short than a life that feels long. And I know that seems backwards, but I, I don't want to feel like I'm drudging through life, not enjoying every moment of it. And of course, when we're having fun, time flies. So that's that's a very profound realization for me. And I, that's I, 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 I share that in case somebody else has that same realization as they listen to this.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think it goes to one of those things where we've all had that experience. Even if somebody's not doing what they want right now, we all know what it's like when you're doing something you really enjoy. It could be a hobby, yeah. could be a conversation with someone and lo- time literally flies and you don't know how it happened. Next thing you look at the clock, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all that <laughs> time happened. Right, And yeah. that means you're in the zone and and is a good indication of what it could be like and how do you do more of that. And then we also know what it's like when you're just watching the clock and it literally seems like it's going in reverse and you're just in the wrong spot or doing the wrong thing or in the wrong job or in the wrong relationship or in the wrong state, uh, for that matter, like, you you know, physical state. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where life is short and life is long. Life is long. You have a long time, right? Like I said, I'm at halftime at 45, right right? Right. now, 46, uh, which I'm still looking ahead going, yeah, it's cool. I got another 45 years. This is great. Um, and then it's also short, which is, I don't want to waste any of that. I gotta be patient, but I don't want to waste it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You bring up a really good uh point about the feeling of guilt as an entrepreneur and feeling like you need to be working all the time. You know, I I I set very, very clear boundaries for myself. And, and in fact, I mean, I I I'm a strong practitioner in time blocking, and that's something that's happened within the last year. And every essentially every morning of my week is blocked off, so nobody can book time with me during that time. Now, what i do at that time is kind of it's a mixed it's a mixed bag i'll either catch up on some work or i'll read go for a run work out golfing what have you just depending on my workload but i you know if i'm not getting that if i'm not not utilizing that or i'm not you know taking my extra couple hours in the evening and actually trying to you know get a few things done then there is a sense of lingering guilt and i'm I'm good at controlling it but it it's never completely gone it's never disappeared and i (laughs) i don't know it's it's uh i Unless you've unlocked that secret, I don't necessarily know that there is a way to, you know, really, really put it out of your mind. I just think that's part of, I'm not, I'm going to call it a curse. It's not necessarily a curse, but a curse of being an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. I think there's always that mode, right? It's where it's just thinking of all these ideas and wanting to do more. Um, It's a Great quote. The first time I heard it, um, Michael Zaberski, who uh, is a consultant for Consultant, he's a coach for them. Uh, And I heard it from him first. I think somebody else said originally, but always grateful, never satisfied, which is very happy with what I've got, very happy with the results, right? Not that I'm striving for more and I need more and I'm never satisfied, but like always grateful, never satisfied in, I just want to do more. I know there's more I can do, more of an impact I can do. Not like from a negative, that's where the grateful part is so important, right? Right. Uh, Versus not being satisfied. So I think that's driving me. I'll tell you the days where I literally do not have that feeling at the end of the day, where I do not go, I should be working on stuff now, is are those days when I know that I know that I know that I left it all on the field. I yes. gave it everything I could. I used my time effectively for the most part. It's never going to be a hundred percent. You can't. You can't. You can't sprint your way through a marathon nonstop. So you can't work right. eight hours a day, ten hours a day, uh, head down day after day. It's just you. You, you can't. You can't sprint a marathon, right? right? Like you can't just do that whole thing. Most people can. I can't anyway. And it seems to be some people that can. But I, I'm definitely <laughs> not that kind of uh, runner. Um, but literally, it's where I know that i know that i left it all on the field like even yesterday like i got home yesterday and six 15 6 30 at night and i was like i could literally go to sleep right now like i'm just so drained i'm so done and and today is going to be one of those days as well where i get done and i'm just like that was good results may or may not be there in the moment you can't control results only activities and it's like but i did it like i left it on the field no questions let's go
0: so how does that feeling compare getting, uh, finish, wrapping up your work day and, you know, feeling like you left it all in the field. How does that compare to getting home from a day working for somebody else still feeling drained? I mean, to, are they completely different feelings for you? And I, 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 I know we go back to you being a marine biologist, but I, I think there was <laughs> some time in between there where you worked for somebody else. Just, I, I, I don't oh, know yeah. just how, how do those things compare work for yourself versus for somebody else?
1: So I think the big thing is, and this is for myself and then also what people I, other see, uh, I also see and have experienced and talked to, which is if you, if, when I am in the right role and I get done with those days where working for someone else and I come home and it feels like a success, I left it out on the field and there's literally nothing else I could do, nor do I have the energy to think about it, same feeling. Yeah. Still a good thing. I I am not in the category of people who are uh, chronically unemployable. Um, I actually do well working with others as a consultant. I think it's one of the things that makes me uh, very effective with my clients is right. that, A, I have been in VP of sales and marketing roles, and B, I do really well in that, especially working with owners and executing on what it is they need done or fixed. Um I'm I'm a really good number 2, which as a consultant is great because that's what my company my my clients need, right? They need that person internally that they're missing to just get stuff done. Um yeah. which works well. And the training and the coaching, I could I could stand in front of a group of people for hours and time would mean nothing. I don't eat anything. I don't drink anything. I don't have to go to the bathroom. Like literally I've stood in front of groups where I've told people, I'm like, you guys need to stop me if you need a break. Otherwise right. let's go. Right. Yeah. I, I will literally not stop. Um, so I've had that where I'm at a company and the right companies with the right owners who know my value and skill. And I know it where it's a square peg in a square hole. And it's the same as me being self-employed, except less of the admin stuff I have to deal with and the marketing and all that. Um, I've also been in jobs where it was the wrong fit and a day I come home drained, but that's because it's a square peg in a round hole and it's me in the wrong. I worked at Microsoft for two years doing tech support and I loved the solving some things part, but it was a drain because it just wasn't me. Uh, Other people I worked with, they loved it. I was good at it, but it wasn't me. And I just came home every day just like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore.
0: Somebody who feels that way, I, and I, I have felt that way, uh, unfortunately, a handful of times. And when you feel like you're, when you feel like you're just completely drained after a day, and you feel defeated because you haven't enjoyed the past eight to ten hours, and you just you don't want to do anything else, and it's hard to find the motivation to. Look for uh, something that might be a better fit for you or try to make some progress in starting your own business. I mean, what advice do you have for somebody who's just, who feels like they're, they're stuck in that, in this rut and no matter how much they rock back and forth, they can't get out of it because they just, they don't have it in them to, to do it.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one because when you have that drained, almost depressed feeling, right? We've all been there. Yeah. I, I, I feel that at times, even with my current business where I'm just like, oh man, things just aren't working and clicking. So right. like, I get it. I'm not going to stand here and, and say like, oh, everything's always great for me and I don't get it, but here's what you should do. Like, right. no, no, trust me. <laughs> trust me. I get it. Um, uh, is that um, you know, the best thing is to just figure out what gets you excited? Because right. um, what I found is usually it's, it's two things. One is people don't know what they want to do, and the other thing is, is they don't trust themselves or believe that it's possible to make that change out of fear, yes. out of worry, out of past experiences, out of what are people going to think or how am I going to pay my bills. It's like just keep doing what you're doing. But here's the biggest thing: is if you're in a job that's not a good fit, you don't like it. I'm not saying quit. I'm not going to be one of those people like quit and just go do side hustle and drive right. Uber and like figure it out. Like that's okay. Some people that's not responsible for. So don't don't be dumb. Right. But right. what can you do in addition? Can you start taking classes? I think like Gary V says, and this is great advice. It's like, if you don't know what you want to do with your life or what excites you, just try a whole ton of things. Yeah. Literally try as many things as you can. That's why even prior to my halftime speech with myself, um, for the last three years or so, I've been in hyper yes mode. You yeah. email me like, Hey, you want to come on the show a second time? Yes. Well, <laughs> is it going to be the best use of my time? I don't know but let's do it, right? Um, yeah. This Today, right now, when we're recording it, this evening, I am going to the local university of FGCU, which is nearby here. They actually have a bachelor's in entrepreneurship, which I won't nice. even go into the details of it, but I actually, I met with them. I was like, that's actually amazing how they run the program. I am doing a two-hour presentation for a veteran entrepreneur startup group that they have of veterans who are in this program to help them kind of Shark Tank style with businesses right like why not Uh, yes yes to everything uh you take a painting class do dance but that's like the answer which is if you don't know just try everything um and then i'll tell you here's the other big piece of advice on this that may resonate with somebody out there is just be careful of the passion myth um So a lot of people think, okay, what are you passionate about? Follow your passion and the money will follow. And I think that's dangerous, bad advice that leads to a lot of people who are passionate or think they're passionate about things that literally have no monetary value and that they're not actually good at, right? Like I'm passionate. I was passionate about sharks for a while there, but that didn't really matter and didn't lead me anywhere. Um, There's a book, it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Yeah. Which is based on the quote from Steve Martin, the stand-up comedian and, and yeah. actor. Obviously, um, is be so good that they can't ignore you, and it talks about the passion myth or advice being dangerous because then people sit around waiting for something they're passionate about. And the opposite is true, which is you start doing things, you get better at it. Then you realize, Hey, I'm good at this and it's valuable. And then you become passionate. That's that explains to me. Cause I always, I, for years I would look at people and go, how are you so passionate about plumbing? How is <laughs> yes. that a thing? Like, why are you so excited about plumbing or electrical or tax? you know, tax strategies. And what happened was somebody got into the job because they needed a job, found out they were good about it, put in the 10,000 hours, and now they're passionate. And so some of that is just, you know, Goya, right? The law of Goya, get off your ass and just try some things.
0: Yeah. And I think probably to some degree, the flip side of that token is trying to monetize your hobbies. Now there are obviously cases where that works out, but the danger that i've seen with doing something like that is you fall out of love with what what you love doing because you're you're taking the joy out of it and you're forcing yourself to put your nose down and squeeze money out of it which can be i i think especially uh dangerous uh to to your well-being have you had experience with that i think that advice is coming from
1: people who are worried that somebody is just doing it for the money yeah I think you can actually successfully monetize your hobby and something you're excited about if it's something you're excited about. Now, if it's a hobby and you're like, hey, how do I make money on this? Then right. you're going to take the joy out of it because you're going to turn it into a business and then you're going to fail at it as a business and you're going to blame the hobby yeah. versus yeah. everything it takes to be successful in running a venture that makes you some money. Um I remember getting advice um, when I was in community college, I hadn't transferred to UC Santa Cruz yet. And I was getting, I was into diving and I was like, Ooh, commercial diving. I could make a lot of money at that. Right? Like, I don't know how I even got a brochure in my hand about commercial <laughs> diving and under underwater welding and stuff, which right. looking back, I'm like, that's hilarious. That is so not me. Um, but my dad was like, don't do that. Cause if you take, if you do your hobby as a job, then you will hate it. Um, and, I don't think that's accurate for everybody because I know there's a lot of people who they love doing this thing. They do that as a job as well and they love it all day. And there's no line between the two of hobby and job or hobby, hobby and monetizing. it. I right. think it's really about mindset. Like, are you doing it for the right? Do you starting a YouTube channel? Cause you love it. And then you're going to figure out how to make money at it. Or are you just starting a YouTube channel? And then now you just want to make a lot of money like Mr. Beast. Um, but you're not, it, it's not the right reasons.
0: Right. That's such a good point. The The mindset behind why you're doing something and be, being honest with yourself as opposed to lying to yourself, I think is vitally important. Um, and,
1: so, and are you willing to put in the effort, right? Because yeah. it's like, hey, you want to monetize your hobby. That's great. Get ready. It's going to take a while.
0: Yeah. How many other people are doing it? How many other people are in this space trying to do the same thing you are? Are you willing to do what it takes to be among the 1%? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's yeah. it.
0: So you, uh, like we were talking about, uh, prior to hitting record, you had a, a big week this, this particular week, which I know this is going to come out in a couple of weeks, but I'm sure the excitement will still be there. Uh, you <laughs> launched, you, you, uh, released two new, two new books this week. I
1: did. Yeah. So when we spoke last year, I had just published in 2020 selling with authentic persuasion, which yeah. is my very first book, which is a, a, a large hardcover book, which was a two year endeavor of of blood, sweat, tears, crying, uh, blank checks. I yes. felt like I was writing, uh, all, all of it. It's a different <laughs> subject for a different show. Um, but yeah, so this week it's pretty exciting cause I published some eBooks, Kindle. Um, but yeah, in, in one week I had two, one where it's a compilation. It's called Voices for Leadership, volume one, uh, by Brian Brogan. And, um, he approached me and said, Hey, I want you to be a contributing author for this. Nice. So it's, it's me and a few dozen great leaders across all kind of different industries. And, uh, my chapter in that book is called, uh, marry the vision date, the strategy, which uh, we can talk about or not, but that one yeah. I'm super excited about. Cause that's a, an important topic for any organization, any, any body in, in particular, actually. Um, and then the other one is a super fun project that uh, I'm most excited about because it's called Reasons Not to Focus on the Sales Experience that I co-wrote with uh, a friend of mine, Nick Glimsdahl. Uh, he wrote two other ones, uh, not to focus on Reasons Not to Focus on Customer Experience and Reasons Not to Focus on the Employee Experience. Uh, but he, uh, we decided to do one on sales since that's my focus. Uh, and the punchline is, is there's no reasons not to focus on it right? Like you should right. only focus on that, just like you should only focus on customer experience. So it's a fun book, bunch of questions, and then it's mostly a journal to write out how you build your own sales experience. Um, so it's really fun.
0: That's great. Um, and I, I do, I would like to talk about both of those a little bit more, but the first that uh, you mentioned was marry the vision, uh, dates, the oh, crap, I get the strategy. The,
1: date the strategy. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, where did that come from? Uh, I
1: heard that a long time ago and, uh, one of the things I'm not always great at remembering exactly where I heard, it. I heard that one a long, long time. I'm 15, 18 years ago. Yeah. Um, And um, really it resonates. I don't talk about it enough. So I've been doing what I can to, to, especially with companies and leaders. Um, One of the biggest problems, and especially if like my focus in Realm is mostly on sales operations, but it could apply to any team, to any group, is that a lot of times people become part of a group, part of a company. They come on board, you know, imagine this scenario. And they're like, here's what my job's going to be. Here's what I'm going to be doing. And I just want to do that. Now, people don't like, Doing, pulling the same lever for the next 40 years and having right. that be their total job, but they like comfortable. They like known. Most people like some type of you know, understanding and knowledge of what they're doing. Then what happens is companies need to change. They need to pivot. They need to do this. They need to do that. Uh, in sales, they need to change the script or bring in new technology. And everyone freaks out because they're like, wait a second. I only want to keep doing what I'm doing. The problem is, is that you have people in organizations where they're married to the strategy instead of being married to the vision and dating the strategy. And really, it's a leadership uh, function where you set the right expectation. And the best analogy to use to make this pretty instant is, let's say, Trey, you and I, uh, we meet in LA in California, and we decide we are going to drive across country to New York City, and we want to be in New York City for, I don't know, some some event that's gonna happen, right? right so right. what we're doing in that instance is we are gonna marry the vision. The vision is you and I are gonna be in New York City at some point doing something, that's what we're gonna do. Now, along the way, what's gonna happen? Who knows? roadblocks construction detours traffic where are we going to stay each night hey there's the world's largest ball of yarn let's pull over and check (laughs) that out like i've never seen it before like who knows that's the strategy we're dating the strategy like each like wherever we go on that path but no matter what at the end of the trip we know where we're going. At the end of each day, we're still correcting and we know the vision. We know where we're headed. Um, and as an organization, the big key is to understand that, right? Is that your people want to marry the vision of what you're doing, but they got to date the strategy, which means when something changes, they understand strategy versus vision. We're not changing what we do as an organization. However, we got to adjust the ship.
0: Yeah, that's it. I like how you explain that. And I'm, as you told that story or as we, as you talked about that, it made me think back to, you know, a few of the prior jobs that I had and thinking about the feeling that I, as uh, somebody on the sales floor or whatever would feel when that, when the vision seemed to change, or I guess, I I guess the vision, I guess the vision probably remained the same, but the strategy just was not communicated uh, to us as employees very well. And we would feel like we were, not as if we're being pushed out that's not the right word, but just feel like we the way we are were're doing things were not good enough, and we weren't it wasn't explained to us why the strategy was changing, and we were just expected to follow yeah. it without question or, or without even sharing that same vision and so uh, as you mentioned, it's super important for the the for management and the owners of the company to properly convey what the vision is and mm-hmm. allow that to i don't know trickle down or really help get the employees to buy in i mean how important is that to really take that ownership as a leader to convey what that means
1: yeah i think a a lot of people who end up in leadership roles and and this is audio only if you could see me i'd be you you see air quotes um because they think they're leaders but they're managers and they're not necessarily good at that either uh is that um is having people understand the vision, the mission, right? And again, yeah. it might not be this big old vision mission to save the world or, you know, to to end um, world hunger, you know, end homelessness, right? Like every company has a different thing and it's not always this magnanimous type of, of mission or vision, but it's helping everyone understand what they're a part of. And right. that starts in recruiting and hiring and onboarding and training yeah. and in running the business, which is helping understand what they're a part of and how that separate from the vision. And then the key is, and everyone I've done, I've seen it, do it well, does it what the way you're talking about. And the way I always try to do it, which is help people understand the why we're changing the script or we're bringing in this new CRM because it's going to help us do this. And this is going to help us with our mission or what we're doing and with this effectiveness. And here's the why, right? Instead of the mode, which I think a lot of people default to because it was probably the way they were raised when we really look at it, which is do as I say, just because I said, do as I say, not as I do sometimes. Sometimes it's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm the boss. I'm the parent. So just do it. I want you to clean your room. doesn't matter why just go clean your room right? Yeah. Shut up and go clean your room. Um, and which is unfortunately the experiences that people might have, then they get into that leadership role and they're just on autopilot and they're just yeah. like, I'm the boss. I'm the one with the office. I'm telling you to do this. Or they get frustrated and they're just like, why are you asking questions? Just do it. Right. It shouldn't matter. When I was in your job, it didn't matter. I would just close deals. Like didn't matter to me. And so you just have that kind of repeating in the cycle versus, telling people why, making sure they're on board. And if they still don't want to do it, then they're not a good fit, right? right. It's it's kind of Jim Collins, uh, good to great, right? You got to make sure you have the right people on the bus first. Uh, and then from there, put them in the right
0: seats. Yeah, absolutely. Would, a, would you consider, or I guess a better way to ask is, does a good leader work with the, the, the employees below him, whether management staff or even, uh, just regular quote unquote employees to shape the strategy. I think obviously, or I shouldn't say obviously, but you know, the vision is relatively set with uh, a few tweaks here and there, but the strategy is what we can adjust course on. So what does a good leader work with the rest of the company to really shape at least in a small part of the strategy, uh, that the company takes? uses i i think there's at
1: times where the answer that is yes people being involved with the strategy um it's always important to get every uh, get everybody's buy-in, at least everybody who's a part of the company that you want a part of the company. That's a good cultural fit for the company. Um, So I think that's important. I think the buy-in is important, which is where the why comes in, Um, but not always about consensus. It's not always about, hey, everybody, let's get together and let's figure out, uh, should we change the script or should we buy a different kind of lead for our team or what do you think? Like, Do we need a different dialer? Um, Because you're You're going to get all these different opinions and that's not going to, the the business needs to be successful and each person is going to mostly think about themselves and not the health of the whole organization uh, and that could be detrimental for the business. So consensus isn't always the best. Here's what I will say and um, this is something um, people are familiar with. Her her name is Cy Wakeman, C-Y Wakeman. She wrote a book called No Ego. I forget the other one on leadership, but her big thing that she warns companies about is getting feedback from employees is good. Just make sure it's the right employees. If you have a good performing employee who is a good cultural fit and is on board with the mission and vision, then solicit their feedback and listen to what they say if especially in sales teams if you ask for everyone's opinions and the people who will complain the most are the ones who usually suck and aren't meeting the numbers if you listen to their complaints and make changes based on them then you're basically like lowering the bar um so you really want to be careful i even now as a consultant i'm working with my clients I know who's the top performers, the people who respect, and that just means they close the most deals, but they're jerks. Like they're actually a good fit with the company. Um, and then their opinions matter. Like I want to know what they think is best, right? Because I'm never going to sit in the org chart higher up from somebody and think I know all the answers because I'm higher up in the org chart, right? Yeah. No, like that doesn't <laughs> matter. I, I Servant leadership is is also really big to me. So it's part of that
0: that's a, that's a great uh that's great to hear and it's it's good to distinguish um it's good to distinguish uh, among those different roles in the company and understanding that not i don't I mean it's it, it feels wrong to say that not everybody's opinion or feelings toward how things should be run should be weighed equally i mean is that not, fair? To not say?
1: everyone but it is true right this isn't yeah. this the era of everyone gets a trophy is really <laughs> dangerous for businesses right it is like it's yes. it's, it's really busy it's really bad in general right like sports where they don't even have a scoreboard or no one keeps score like that's i don't want to debate all that now because i'm not an expert right. in that i just have my feelings but um for businesses that's how you run a business out of business is everyone gets a trophy and it's a democracy. Um, and, you know, everyone gets a vote and it's all consensus. Like, right. no, you you can't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, how, not necessarily how has your work changed in the past two years, but I mean, have you, there, there's this ethereal great resignation and, I think there's there's good elements of it and bad elements. You know, I've got clients who rely heavily on uh, minimum wage workers, so it's it's tough for them and subsequently tough for me. But, but there's a certain degree where I understand not wanting to spend your life, as we've talked about, talked about doing things that I, I I don't necessarily love. And so, do you have any thoughts or feelings on people? taking time away from their job or taking time away from their career to pursue, and I know we've talked about this to a certain extent, but I'm just curious what you've seen professionally working with different organizations to really explore, you know, either starting a company or explore a a career change because they've realized that, (laughs) I I feel like I'm really touching on all points of what we just spoke about, (laughs) but people are realizing how short life really can be. Yeah. I think the
1: not to repeat what we've talked about, but one of the biggest things that concerns me is people not being fully self-aware, uh, yeah. people wanting more than – I'm just going to say it – than they deserve, right. right? So they want more, but they haven't put in the effort. They're not actually more valuable because I see that a lot where people are like, I should be paid more and, and I know people who are making more money. It's like, but are you yeah. equally valuable, Right. Uh, Are you providing that much value to a company? Which is the difference. A lot of people think, well, I should just get paid. Like it doesn't matter. No, from a business perspective, I pay you X, I expect X plus. right? Right. That's how business works, most businesses. And so there's a lot of people. I see or hear and I, you know, I, I see these conversations where it's like either they've quit or they're thinking about it, but just because they think they deserve more, but right. not from a basis of actually worth more. So I think there's right. part of that. And then there's also, I, I think, a, an element of, you know, where this doesn't work is where the grass is greener. It's like, oh, I don't like this. Like, I'll be able to find something better. It's like, that's not how that works either, right? Like right. relationships, jobs, anything like that. <laughs> like the, the, like, like they say. Uh, the grass is greener where you water it. So like, maybe you're in the wrong job. Maybe you're Absolutely. not making enough money. Maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe you hate tech support, right? And you <laughs> should be doing something with else, else with your life. That's great. If you can afford it and you can take time off and then you can reevaluate, that's great. Uh, it's always harder to get a job when you don't have a job, but Hey, right now it's a weird climate for, for, um, hiring because you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a candidates like employee market, uh, for sure. Like, you know, getting good talent. Um, but I think as long as it's a basis of self-awareness and understanding it, then yeah, I think there's some value. I think there's a lot of people who take jobs and then they realize they could do more or better. But again, do you have the skills? Are you willing to put in the time, uh, you know, of mastering something so that you can be valuable?
0: Absolutely. Do you, are you familiar? I, there's there's an example, and I can't think of the name of the company, and I am, I'm sure it's been replicated. Um, are you familiar with the company that the CEO leveled everybody's pay, so they all make like $70,000 across the board? Mm-hmm. Do you have any feelings about that, considering the conversation we just had? Um, I
1: think that comes down to um, recruiting. Right. Like, I I think if everyone's doing the same type of work and it's it's valuable and everyone's part of a team, having that kind of pay equity, I think, is important because that takes out some of the, the stuff that can get in the way or make people feel like they should have more, deserve more. I mean, I think it's really about expectations. And then for that to be successful, it comes down to hiring. It comes down to hiring managers and the company to pick the candidates where that works and right. who are going to be a good fit and it's going to be effective. Um, again, I, I think, you know, as long as it makes sense, I think here's the trade-off though. And this is what a lot of employees don't necessarily realize at first, which is, oh, that sounds great. I want to go work for 70000 a year currently making X. You don't realize like, again, from a business perspective, that means the expectation is higher, Yeah, right? Uh, if you want to be paid professional athlete money, you better be- putting in the efforts to become yeah. better and better all the time and then you better have the results right or you're getting cut.
0: Yeah. That's 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 a great point. Um and again, not something that I think everybody considers as they strive to make more money whether it's in their own business or uh, working for somebody else is that it's it, everything scales. I mean the 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 amount of work that you have to do to actually be a good fit for a position that is making X number of dollars it, it's incrementally or exponentially more work than what you're doing now. And I, I think as people put on their vision boards or progress boards or put it, write it down the fact that they want to make hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Are you willing to do hundred thousand dollars worth of work? And I've had to yeah. ask myself that very same question because when you work for yourself, then you're solely responsible for every single penny that comes in. Do yeah. I want to do hundred thousand dollars worth of work? I kind of don't. I mean, I'm comfortable with where I'm at right now in my business, and I'm and I'm more comfortable than I've ever been in my life before. So, you know, that those are questions that we have to continually, not just one time, ask ourselves and answer honestly. I think is as important as asking.
1: And and I really uh, respect and appreciate Gary Vaynerchuk for talking about this as much as he does. Whether yeah. whether you you have a stomach for for how he talks and the things he talks about, like you know, and that turned me off for years in the beginning. I'm like, oh my gosh, this, I just this seems weird um but then you kind of understand him and you appreciate his authenticity but his big thing is is if you could make more money but are you going to be happy is it going to be right. something you enjoy or could you make forty thousand dollars a year and do what you love and or have the time with your family or whatever you want to make more money it takes more effort if you want to make a million dollars a year which people talk about wanting to make
0: right.
1: i don't think most people realize A, the time it takes to build to that point, but also to do that every year, like how many hours a week you will be working and what does that lifestyle look like? And do you want to do that lifestyle? Um, that's where like, even for people who are, are, are self-employed, there's a book. I keep mentioning all these books. Usually I'm not good with all these book titles, but there's like a lot (laughs) of them resonating in my head. Um, there's one called company of one, um, which I heard, um, I heard him speak on a, on a vlog as a guest. And, um, it's essentially advocating for a lifestyle business of, of, of one person, right? If you're one person and you make two or $300,000 a year and you actually take most of that home, right? It's not just like top line, but it's like bottom line, you're doing way better than most other people. And if you can do that without having payroll and a company and headaches and stress and all these things, like, that's great for most people. That whole like I need to build the next Instagram or Facebook <laughs> uh, unicorn thing, right. like right. That's there's a very few people that do that, and it and it may or may not work for you. So, uh, yeah, I think understanding like you want to make more, sure. Would I like to make a million dollars a year? Yeah, that's great. I don't want to put in that much work. I'm just right. being honest. Like I don't I don't want to. That doesn't excite me at this point in my life. Um, to to grind. And and make that happen. And right. and I think that's where people are like, yeah, I want to make more money. It's like, okay, there's a trade off, right? You yeah. don't get it, 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 it. I won't say there's no free lunch, but it's pretty <laughs> close to that.
0: That's such a great point. And that book has been mentioned before. And I don't remember by whom, but I, I will, of course, put in the show notes and I've one of the most empowering piece of advice I, I ever received was from an entrepreneurial coach here in town or a business coach. Uh, And she told me, you know, you don't have to scale. Like you can, you can be a one person show. And I'm like that, that was a light bulb moment for me because I always thought that I wanted or even needed to not necessarily build the next Instagram, but build an agency that had a bunch of people and I was at the top and, you know, sitting pretty. And that's, it's not what I want. I'm not interested in that. Um, so I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, before we wrap up, I, I do want to talk about Gary V. Just a little bit. I I love his message. I love his positivity. I don't think I could ever have a conversation with the man just because he talks too damn fast. And I I, I do my <laughs> personal best to slow down and think about what I want to say. But I always feel like when I'm listening to him, I have to be in a hurry, even though it's just you know on the internet. So I mean, he's a he's a great guy, a great message. I just, I couldn't do it.
1: Here, here's the, here's the even the crazier part with me is I listen to podcasts and even all uh, like if it's a if it's a video podcast interview thing I listen to podcasts at 1.4 yeah. x with an app uh, the Google Podcast app right. uh, lets you trim silence so it takes out the gaps when people are breathing or in between talking um, that's cool and then on YouTube I'll play at 1.25 to 1.5 x so imagine Gary V faster <laughs> um, I've actually talked to a couple people who host podcasts and yeah. in real life, I'm like, are they sick? Is something wrong? I'm like, Oh no, that's how they normally talk. It's, it's <laughs> like normal. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of slow. So my, my, I don't know. That's why I talk really fast too. Cause I think my brain just thinks that way and, uh, I should probably slow it down. It's probably, probably good advice, Trey.
0: Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's helped me. So if it helps you, great, but you, you do yeah. what works best for you. Um, <laughs> Jason, it's, it's always awesome catching up with you. I really, really appreciate uh, you coming back on. Um, before I let you go, uh, I think I had these questions last time, but I'll ask them again. And, uh, the, the first closing question that I have for you is I, I try to be a resource for my guests, whatever I can do. And, you know, just having a conversation. Great. But I always like to ask the question, what are you looking for to continue your personal or professional growth? And I ask that in the sense that if somebody listening across the country or world hears this and they say i can help jason what is it you need
1: that's a, that's a tough one. Cause like my brain wants to default to business mode. Um, you know, part of what I'm focused on at this point is the mission of just helping transform the way sales is done. So I'm going to have two yeah. parts to answer this. Okay. Um, and so like sales is gross and dirty. When people think of the word sales, it's a dirty word and that's not sales's fault. Like that's just the bad actors, the boiler rooms, sure. awful wall streets, the used car salespeople, like the snake yes. oil sales. I could go on and on, but like, you know, we've talked about that before, but um, it's really like anybody out there listening to that and is like, yeah, let's change the face of what sales means by helping people actually realize sales a service. then please reach out to me. And maybe it's your organization. Maybe it's just content I have. And you're like, yeah, I want to know how to sell in a different way. Um, The other side, and this is just something completely different though, is one of the things is I've always prided myself on a work ethic. It's kind of the stuff that you and I talked about, but it's like working, you know, working hard, getting it done, doing whatever it takes versus just like, shifting from a human doing to a human being, um, and just taking time and leveraging resources. Uh, is a great book I read recently, who not how from Dan Sullivan and Dr. Ben Hardy, um, about, you know, finding people who do things better than you and having them help you out. And so, um, yeah, I don't know what that looks like for people out there who could support me, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really shifting from, instead of having to grind it all out myself every day, kind of what we talked about earlier to, you know, getting support or building a team and using resources and i don't know just just doing more productive things instead of you know the unproductive things
0: i love that and to your point about being around people who have been doing what you want to do i think they're again i'll speak for myself starting off in something new there's this sense of i don't know if it's pride or if it's ego or if it's i want to learn this for myself I've had that where I I don't want to be around other people who are doing it probably there's probably a bit of comparison in there as well because I don't want mm-hmm. to you know feel like I'm not living up to what they're doing but when you connect with somebody who is willing to help you learn and willing to help you grow that is the best feeling and the the best way to propel yourself forward because you're learning from not just what they're doing right but you get that experience of all that they've done wrong as well. So you could, it'll help you really accelerate your growth and your ability to learn into what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah. My mentor, David Meltzer, um, he's been through a lot and, and failed and then, you know, learned a lot of things. Uh, his thing is, you know, hire a coach, hire a mentor, learn from others, um, and let them, you know, learn from the dummy tax that they paid. Yes. Um, so that you don't have
0: to. <laughs> Great advice. All right, Jason, my next question, my favorite question. If you could name a book that's just had a profound impact in your life, either in the last year or even you know prior to that, um, what would that book be and why? I know we've mentioned um, a bunch of books today.
1: We mentioned a bunch of them. I would say the biggest one, and this is just all personal, is um, a book called How We Change. And 10 Reasons Why We Don't uh, by Dr. Ross Elhorn, uh, Allenhorn, Horn. Um, and it literally there is, you know, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of this, fear of that, all these things. I've never resonated with all of any of those, right? I'm like, I don't have that. That doesn't feel like what's holding my, me back. Literally read this book a year ago uh, in April of last year. And I was like, holy crap, that's me. That's what's holding me back. And it's a thing I won't go into it. People can check it out, but it's the fear of hope. It's I've hoped for things. I've strived for things. It hasn't worked out because of that disappointment. I'm just not going to try for anything. Um, and people think, Hey, you do a lot. I do a lot, but I also feel guilty because I know I could be doing more. Um, but where do I hold myself back for that fear of hope? And I think there's a lot of people who have that, especially fear of hope, fear, you know, that, comes from maybe comparison and just mistakes in life that you know can can really crush somebody and uh yeah so that that's been huge i'm actually rereading it right now from from cover to cover because it's just so valuable and i'm reading through and going oh yeah i keep working on that keep doing that like it's it's just a it's just a process
0: yeah that that's great Uh, i will absolutely include that in our list of books in the show notes and then last but not least if you could leave The audience with one call to action that you either live your life by or that you ask the people you work with to live their lives by, what would it be?
1: You know, I think the, the biggest thing is self-awareness. Um, you know, it's, it's understanding where can I be valuable? What's true for me? Um, and how can i be of service to others again whether you're in a sales role leadership role any kind of role um you know one of the parts of my personal and professional mission which has three different parts um but it one of them is to facilitate transformation by leaving people better than i found them um and in any way that i can I, i don't try to do it i just do it um and no matter what right in a sales role maybe you don't sell that customer who's not a good fit and you give them some good advice That's still a success. That's what the world needs is people who are trying to leave people off better off than they found them. Um, If you do that all the time, you will be successful, whatever successful means to you.
0: I love it. I love it. Jason, again, thank you so much. If people would like to find you online, if they'd like to grab any of your books or if they just want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, simplest and best way is jasoncutter.com. So that's a hub for everything, the podcast, the books, uh, the training, the free training I do every Friday. So, uh, jasoncutter.com or they can just email me jason at cutter dot Mention the mosaic life podcast. Um, again, I have some free resources. I have my free eBooks, uh, and that's usually the best way to go
0: perfect again jason thank you for everything and uh i look forward to talking with you again soon and i again i just really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me on it's a blast as always i'm looking forward to uh, the next the the third version and the and the uh, updates to come with that
0: please help me thank Jason one more time for joining me back on the podcast. I always love catching up with him. If you want to learn more about Jason, check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com, where you can find a link to his website, you can find his social media handles, and you can find out where to grab his books as well as his multiple podcasts. Again, that is themosaiclifepodcast.com. If you enjoy conversations like these with leaders from all over the world and how they are living their best lives be sure to check out my brand new podcast Bits of Happiness where I boil these lessons down into bite-sized bits of audio and this past week I talked about the importance of meditating on our own mortality and using death as a reminder that we don't have unlimited time on this earth to do the things that we've always wanted to accomplish. You can check out that podcast and subscribe at Bits of happiness life of course thank all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to the mosaic life podcast it means the world to me and until next time take care do better and be well
1: thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform